Hey folks, Zach Ostrom here, IU Insider, Indianapolis Star. Uh, this is Mind Your Banners for Sunday night, October 1st, 2023. It is October. Uh, baseball is turning the post, uh, the page to the postseason, and Indiana football is turning the page to a new offensive coordinator. That is what we call a transition or a segue. I'm not really sure. I should probably learn some of the technical details of podcasting if I'm going to do it this often. As always with me on Sunday nights, Mike Nislik. Mike, um, an ugly day at Maryland. I, I don't know that we necessarily expected Indiana to win that game, but you certainly were looking for more response. I think if you were an IU fan, I think if you were Tom Allen, then being down 21 to three, Maryland had four offensive drives, I think in the first quarter. One, they punted the other three lasted a total of six plays and all ended in touchdowns. And that felt like it set the tone for the day just about as well as anything else. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, I, I know um, it should be noted they were missing two starters in the secondary. And I think that that didn't help uh, because the, what, you know, uh, I think two of the touchdowns or two were set up at least by just complete busts in the secondary that there wasn't even, and they were dropping eight. So, I mean, just complete failures. Um, uh, but, you know, and, and we'll focus on, on Bell, but, you know, I think that the main thing in that game is the defense shouldn't get a pass because um, they were just as bad and special teams uh, wasn't very good either. So, um, you know, three phase letdown and kind of sleepwalking through the first half, which has been, sort of what this team's MO is. Um, and that's not how you win games, especially in the Big Ten. I think the, this, I mean, the, just this persistent issue with not starting well. And, you know, listen, sometimes you don't start well because you're not a very good you're team. Good. The cat the cat wants out. I'll let him out in a second. Um, he doesn't want to hear about that game. And that that's really not, you know, I mean, you, you can't fix that in a bye week, but I do think that you can at least join some of the issues up between struggling on offense and not starting well insofar as, you know, it's, I think it is, it is difficult. You're right. The defense shouldn't get a pass. They gave up 44 points. They got picked apart completely. I mean, they were, you know, I mean, by the end of the game, they weren't really stopping anything. And I wasn't totally sure why Talia Tagovailoa was still in the game, but that's not really my business. That's Mike Loxley's. Um, And, it just sort of the thing that I can't escape is just it, it almost feels like Indiana is getting back into this this familiar pattern they've struggled with the last couple of years, which is the defense. It feels like lives on a knife edge because it has to, you know, it it, it almost recognizes right away if we're not perfect today, we may not win the game because the offense isn't moving the ball, the offense isn't getting first downs, the offense isn't even really threatening to score points, and then you know, that causes the rubber band to break a little bit on defense. And then suddenly you're chasing the game and then you're making bizarre decisions. Indiana went for it six times on fourth down on Saturday. And I said this in our, our post game video with Zion, you know, that you can isolate any one of those, even the fake punt and just sort of say like, okay, in, in a vacuum, maybe you can justify this, but in the, in the macro sense, when you're going for it on fourth down that much, when you're leaving points on the field, when you're, 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 you're sort of going against convention that much. The message that sends is you don't trust your process, whatever that is, whether that's offensively, defensively, you, you don't trust that just doing the conventional things, the things that make sense, the things that, that are, are straightforward sort of decisions will p- put you in positions to have the opportunity to win games. And I think that's, 
you know, I mean, that that bleeds over into all areas of the ball. And listen, part of that is because you feel like maybe you're coaching against some of your own deficiencies at times if you Tom Allen. But then that circles back to sort of this question of just like, well, then what is Indiana and where is Indiana going and how does Indiana build something, a, a successful formula when it feels like right now, Indiana, all the phases of Indiana's team almost feel like they're making each other worse, if you understand what I'm saying. Well, I think you could. That's evident in the three straight. The three straight. He doesn't. He didn't even want to hear my point. Got so bored. Um. He he. he uh. For non-video viewers, he just walked away and let a cat out of the door. Um. That was evident in the three straight three and outs, uh, where two of them they're backed up at their own ten yard line, um, and don't go forward. Essentially, they go backward on offense. So the defense put on extra pressure. The special teams. Uh, didn't work out. I mean, the punts were less than 40 yards too. So, I mean, two of those drives, well, we're inside the 35, I think that Maryland started. So, I mean, you want to talk about short fields, uh, Indiana's 35. Um, and that's just not, I mean, A, nobody's going to have success that way. B, a team that's struggling is definitely not going to have success that way. And, um, you know, Maryland played right, uh, you know, pad, Quick, uh, quick passing game that didn't allow Indiana to get generate any pressure. You know, tool, tool, tool. I can never pronounce the name. Was getting rid of the ball really fast. Um, was basically untouched. No sacks. I'm not sure. Um, I didn't look at PFF to see how many even pressures they had in the game. Um, but um, the only time he missed was when he sort of missed by himself. You know, just throws. Um, you know, it's it, defensively. It was just you know. They put the defense in the worst situation possible, and then the defense didn't play well on top of it. And again, that I mean, that comes back. We'll move on in a second. Just talking about the change Tom Allen made today, but that just comes back again to this idea of just a defense—not defense, excuse me—a team that I don't know if the word is trust. I don't know if the word is, um, you know, is 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 you know chemistry or what. And I'm not suggesting that like there's guys fighting in the locker room like it. it like, you know, those Hollywood moments where people are like having to be pulled apart and like there's some sort of dramatic conclusion and the whole team comes together like that doesn't happen as often as you think in sports. It's often a lot more unspoken. It's a lot more sort of stuff that people can't verbalize or don't want to. But it just feels like a team that just has a a, a sort of bottomed out level of faith in its own, just like the the way it's supposed to win football games. And, and so you get, you know, you, how often does it feel like you get guys just kind of, I mean, like one of those touchdowns, the second was the second one was that one play drive in the first quarter where, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. It looked like Philip Dunham just kind of tried to do somebody else's job and left the middle of the field, just wide open. Um, well then, you know, you have that, uh, what I thought was emblematic of the defensive failures, if they get them back in third and 10 in the second half, I think this was after the, the fake punt um, and uh, or maybe it was the next drive third and 10 with two nice back-to-back, nice pass breakups. And then they allowed the 32 yard run almost on the, off the left untouched same play, almost that the uh, Akron ran, you know, to, to have that huge gain the other time. And somebody obviously, you know, the same kind of mistakes where the eyes are in the wrong place and somebody's not, essentially doing what they're supposed to do. And it does feel like something had to change, obviously. Um, I don't think Before that's... Before we get to that, how many pressures would you think they had in that game? 
I mean, it, it had to be low. It had to be, I would say, less than a half dozen. I mean, how many? Five. And one of those Five. was on that cornerback blitz. So yeah, I mean, it, it, four others. Yeah. And listen, I mean, Maryland has been really good. Uh, Talia Tagovailoa got sacked 32 times last season. He's only been sacked two times this season. So, like, Maryland is a lot better at that than it was a year ago, to Maryland's credit. But, um, again, it's just, I mean, the, all of the stuff that we saw in the first two, three weeks of the season that felt like, okay, these are positive signs, these are points of growth, these can be the underpinnings of success moving forward, all that stuff has just evaporated in the last two weeks. And I'm not saying, all oh, that was Walt Bell's fault. I do, though, understand why Tom Allen might look at that and say, well, I've got to try and change something. I've got to find something that can restore some level of sort of belief and rhythm and efficiency and, you know, just sort of effectiveness, frankly, in this football team. I think he at least knows some of what he's got on defense, but I think he recognizes if he can't find a way to score points, that defense is just not going to be able to operate at a sort of will hold the other team to 10 points or fewer in the first three quarters level in big 10 play. And so he's made this change today. Um, Walt Bell out replaced by Rod Carey, who was, uh, he's been on staff for the last two years as a quality control coach. He's, he's been on defense for quality control, but his whole background is offense. Uh, obviously fans, many fans will probably remember him as the coach that replaced Darren Hiller and Hiller was fired mid season last year. Um, I think it was like something like, like 51 weeks ago, basically that Hiller was fired. That was an interim role as offensive line coach. This is not interim. He's the full offensive coordinator contract details haven't been released yet. I think they're still being hammered out. It'll be interesting to just see the kind of like what basically what the terms of his contract are and, and the length and all those different kinds of things. Um, he has not been an offensive coordinator in more than a decade. He did preside over some very good offenses at Northern Illinois. Obviously, his work at Temple was a lot less uh, superlative. But I think at least you're trying something different with a coach that does have a track record of success. Can it be replicated here? And can it be replicated over the course of the next eight weeks, one of the first of them being a bye week that at least allows him to sort of dig his, his teeth into some things. I don't know. Um, but I do think it's, it's probably fair to say Indiana is going to try to do some, some different stuff. If you look at his background and what his Northern Illinois teams did compared to Walt Bell's background. Um, although, and we'll have this conversation, I, I suspect in the next few minutes here, the number of times it, it, it seemed remarkable to me that it, I couldn't recognize a lot of Walt Bell's own background and what he was trying to do on the field. Um, maybe I'm just not smart enough to see it. I don't know, but one way or another, um, you know, this, this change felt like, I don't want to say the only one Allen could have made, but at least probably the, the cleanest one he could have made. And certainly at the time that he made it and he had to try and find something. Well, I think what a lot of people don't understand. And I think part of the only, the, one of the only reasons this could happen really effectively during the, you know, or you hope effectively is that they had somebody on staff to actually take over the role. You know, a lot of times, you know, people will say like, well, fire the coordinator and offense. It's hard to do that if you don't have somebody that is available to step in and call plays and sort of be comfortable in that role. Um, and especially if the coach doesn't want that, um, you know, obviously you have a defensive coach here. So having Rod Carey on the staff 
makes this move possible and makes it, you know, um, you know, you can't really bring somebody in at midseason, even at a buy. I mean, that's not really something that you would, you know, function or lead to a lot of change. Um, so he can kind of take over. He's obviously familiar with everybody. Obviously, he was coach on the staff last year for part of last year. So that sort of helps in that transition. Um, you know, one thing I want to talk kind of in, you, know, you were on site in Maryland. I, I, I rewatched the press conference. Do you think, I, I mean, I was surprised how definitively Tom Allen sort of blamed the players last night that was and, yeah that was and um weird. you know because you you i think it was you asked the question and then he said well basically to me all i saw was execution without naming taven jackson he said you know the quarterback missed a lot of throws well open receivers and made a lot of bad reads um and i was sort of surprised and then to have 20 that made me think well bell's safe right and then 24 hours later obviously he saw more than execution um, are you surprised given what, I mean, you've been around this business, you know, quite a while, just, you know, and I know coaches put up smoke screens and things like that, but just from the way Ellen talked last night, I was surprised 24 hours later, this is where we're at. Yeah, no, I think, um, I think it is probably fair to say that I felt the same way in terms of, um, Coming out of that, I just thought, well, he, he seems to think that the process worked and, and that basically it was it was the people implementing the process that weren't getting the outcome almost. And again, I didn't totally understand that insofar as like the um, I don't know, the 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 decisions he made in the game where it's like, well, again, why are you going for it on fourth down this often? There's for that second with- drive, you know, you know, you talk about, and and this is we can get into more of it, but the idea that this is a run first team, you go down seven three, or you you, know, you go down seven three, you get a stop, and then three passes and you're out, you know, not trying to put Taven in good situations, it, and it seemed to be that was sort of like the consistent, they had no fallback identity uh, again, um, slow start offensively, you know, that you don't you can't you don't trust Christian Turner even though he's been sort of your most effective back. Those were things that weren't in. Taven's control and I thought he was in bad situation and bad after bad situation yesterday um, and then for you know I'm mean, obviously Ellen must have watched the film or talked to people or talked to their coaches but I was surprised because I didn't when I came out of that game I didn't immediately think offensively you know man Jackson just was bad and missed a lot of throws you know that was a my sort of takeaway from that I mean he but missed again, throws he missed sort of throws that where... wasn't sort of like where the fundamental problem of the offense was no, I don't think so either. And I just, I come back to kind of this idea that it's like, well, if you think, if you think the structure was working and it was the execution within it that was failing, why aren't, you know, like, why are you throwing away points on a field goal? Like, I mean, like, there's nothing wrong with 20, when you've already given up 21 points, there's really not a lot wrong with 21 to six midway through the second quarter. Why are you going for it on fourth and six? Mm-hmm. You know, that, like that, you know, that that's what I'm talking about with the process and like, I'm not even suggesting necessarily that Brendan Sorsby doesn't deserve some opportunities, but you stick Brendan Sorsby in there, he gets you two touchdowns, but that's largely when Maryland is sort of cycled in its second and third. They team. were the the starters that, I mean, I, you didn't, I don't know if you saw it on the sideline when you were there on the broadcast, most of the starters were dancing on the sideline to the music that they were playing. And, 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 and so now do you have some sort of quarterback controversy? Do you have to reopen? Like it just, I don't know that just, I don't want to start speculating too wildly. It just, it just it felt like it felt like almost sort of I saw one thing, I heard another, and then I sort of observed another. 
yeah. <laughs> saw a team that just didn't look like it trusted the way it thought it was supposed to win a football game. Right. And, and didn't think it could win the football game that way and almost immediately deviated from that, whether that was players' performances, whether that was coaching decisions, whatever it was. And then I heard a coach say, actually, I thought the structure was fine. And it was basically the execution within the structure that, to me, derailed everything. And then the next morning, that coach, whatever his sort of post-game process was, watching film, meeting with people, I don't, you know, we don't know. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe Tom Allen will walk us through it. He'll probably never tell us every single inch of what no, he yeah, did. Yeah. Um, basically said, well, you know, made a decision that suggested he didn't think it was all execution. That, that there there was something wrong with the structure, well, or at very least that he came to a conclusion that the structure was the thing that had to be addressed because the execution either wasn't the problem or no longer could be or had moved past, you know, that, that maybe th were, were things too complicated? I don't know, but like it just, it just, I felt like well, I, sort of, thing to me. I saw one thing, I was told yeah. something else, and then by actions, I, I learned something else. And there's so many else, because to me, they played you know, throw the Indiana State game out of it. That doesn't count. They played their best offense in that second half against Louisville, and they looked like they had found something. And they never went back to what that offense looked like since <laughs> the two games since and struggled. Um, and I know they're out with Josh Henderson, so they, you know, not using Jalen Lucas the same way. And some, there's, you know, obviously there's things that go into it, but it never felt like. Did you feel like Walt Bell? was comfortable calling plays for Taven to take advantage of his skill set. Like it never felt like to me that, that he figured out how to get in a rhythm with him as a quarterback. You know, they'd throw in the option plays like at the worst possible times. They didn't run them really well. Um, you know, take advantage of his mobility. You know, he can move the pocket and they really didn't do a lot of that. Um, I thought, I thought Telly attack of my got a lot of throws yesterday that Taven Jackson's good at that. Indiana just didn't, that Indiana won't, wouldn't run with him the stuff like the 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 back shoulder stuff the the stuff where you basically get i, I don't know if you call it like a comeback or a sideline or a button hook you, you can run it in a few different kind of ways and like route names change and everybody's got their own terminology but basically that that one-on-one -on -one route you have where you you recognize you have single coverage and the cornerback is All playing. All you do is recognize if it's man or zone, and then you go to the next read on the outside. You know, but you basically just kind of like you let the receiver get about six or seven yards deep, and then he just angles back toward the sideline, and you just throw the ball, and it's supposed to meet him there. Like how many times did he hit a throw like that against Louisville, where you just thought that was really good, and that was eight yards, it was nine yards, it was ten yards. And one thing that one thing that uh, Matt Millen pointed out on the broadcast, I don't know if you saw it too, is that you know, especially in this last game, everything was to sideline to sideline and set up very slow. Like there was no yes. vertical passing game whatsoever. And that was the opposite of what they did against Louisville. What you're talking about, eight yards out, quick throw, you know, you get it. Here, it was like everything was taking forever. Um, and the halfbacks were, you know, or you know, the, whoever was out there was, you know, Jalen Lucas just would get was getting crushed just because they, 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 you know, they read it out. But even if they hadn't, it was so slow developing that I was yes. like, I, I don't know how there you was, execute there was that. Like it, it, it felt like execute that better. Like what, it felt you know, like there was too much stuff that, that was just like it. it the play didn't even really materialize when you would watch even in real time, like route combinations and things. It felt like it was like three seconds in after the snap before you could even sort of see like where guys were supposed to be coming open or, yeah. you know, like what, and again, this goes back to, you know, Walt Bell's backgrounds, the air raid. 
he talks about air raid principles. He has since we hired him. I did a whole story in the yeah, offseason. Yeah, it didn't look like about, the offense that you wrote about. <laughs> and, and like it didn't look like an air raid offense. It's just, you know, like like you know, mesh concepts across the middle where like yeah. receivers are literally high-fiving one another. Like they're getting so close to one another yeah, to yeah, rub yeah. their defenders off, they're high-fiving one another. Vertical concepts, nothing. I mean, just 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 so rarely did we see Indiana try anything vertical, anything back shoulder. You know, the, the stuff that you would go, I mean, if you literally just Google like air raid route concepts, it's stuff you would recognize off of Madden. And that's not a knock on the offense. That's why it works. And that's why it's so popular. And actually why it's gotten down to the high school level is because you can teach it to kids when you, you don't get them for 30 hours a week. You can teach, like you can, you can simplify it as we're going to do a small number of things. We're going to do them really well. And basically it's the job of the quarterback and his receivers pre-snap to recognize which is the right option. And that's all it is. And that's obviously an oversimplification, but at the same time, like I literally had a 30 minute conversation with Al Mummy about the air rate and how he developed it that boiled down to, we wanted to throw the ball all over the place and we wanted to simplify the game and make it fun because the more you Nothing throw it, about the more the- players touch it, the more they gain yards, the more they score touchdowns. And like the, the whole point is it's all supposed to move. It's supposed to be simple. It's supposed to move fast. You can run out of it. That's not a problem, but like, it just felt like everything it, it has felt like any everything Indiana has tried to do offensively in I mean for most of this season, absent maybe the, the Ohio State game, because I think they kind of had a game plan specific to that game yeah, to try to shorten it as much as possible. Was just just overcomplicated. And not just What's, overcomplicated for a registered freshman quarterback, whoever it is, but yeah. overcomplicated according to like the principles of the offense that Walt Bell himself says is supposed to underpin what he wants to do. And you're taking kind of a, you know, I, I I took just, I posted about just before we did this, kind of a numbers look historically. And it seems like kind of three areas really stood out to me. And you could kind of maybe talk to this, why the numbers were same last year, but was it, was it any different? Like, cause so points obviously have been a major issue. The scoring under 20 points, essentially a game against FBS opponents since he took over. That's one. This year it got worse. Two, the red zone performance in his tenure was terrible. Basically about 50% touchdown scorings inside the 25 last year and this year. So pretty consistent in the fact that it was just not, uh, you know, whenever the few times they did get in the red zone did not have consistent success. And and obviously, and the third is the rushing game and, um, you know, averaged essentially uh, under a hundred yards against FBS opponents during his 17 game tenure. That's near the bottom of the FBS um, and worst, in the, you know, among the worst power five teams over a two year span. Um, you know, I saw. I've seen the last five games. You know, of, of this, did this look different last year? And they struggled. You know, you said obviously offensive line was a lot of what happened last year. But you know, I, I'm just trying to trace where things went wrong for him because essentially, you know, 17 game tenure, the numbers were pretty consistently bad, and so obviously that speaks some to some level of talent a, a little bit. But obviously, you know, things that, that whole off season together and things didn't get better this year and upgraded the talent level so i'm curious were there any commonalities between this year and last year that you saw and kind of what was different outside i mean i think the the one thing and and it's difficult because like you know last year they had no quarterback run element last year they had a lot of quarterback injuries last year i I do think the offensive line's a lot better this year um obviously they had a healthier cam camper camper if he played Saturday, it was very brief and then he kind of disappeared and never came back. So I'm not sure what happened there, but um, 
the one commonality is that I have never really understood what Indiana, what was supposed to underpin Indiana's offense. Like what, what was, you know, every offense is supposed to gain four yards on first down and five yards on second down and, 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 you know, convert easy third downs and run the ball to set up the pass in some function or another. And I could tell you like what Indiana tried to do under Mike DeBoer and Kalen DeBoer, and they had varying degrees of success at it, but it was kind of this idea of a robust combination running back wide receiver screen game that spread the field horizontally made defenses guard boundary to boundary relied on a power run game in short yardage situations with Stevie Scott and had some element of quarterback mobility to it. All of which was supposed to set up downfield shots in the same way that Kevin Wilson used to run this wide open spread offense, but it was literally just like, we're going to run the ball downhill and then we're going to set up play action. That's all we're going to do. We're, you know, we're going to do it out of shotgun or the pistol, but all we're doing is running the ball downhill to set up play action in one-on-one situations to big body receivers over the top of the field. So I could tell you what that was. Nick Sheridan, you know, that was a little bit harder. I think he tried to continue a lot of what Kalen DeBoer did. The COVID season was impossible to evaluate in the next yeah, year. That's an exception. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. But like I I have never really I, I never really understood like what Walt Bell and I, I I tried to say this and I don't if people didn't take this in my writing or in our podcast or whatever, I apologize, but I I tried to express this. Like I never really understood where Indiana was supposed to go to get the offense, the rhythm that would lead to the sort of effectiveness that would, would, you know, gain yards, gain first downs and score points. Like what, what was to put, you know, and and because so often it was like, well, oh, Indiana's going to take a deep shot on first down. It's like, well, okay. You know, I get the numbers can say that every once in a while, but then they'd run straight into the line. You're essentially saying like they didn't have any, they didn't have a, bread and butter to essentially like a rhythm like you said like and they had and they generally they so lean on this on first and second yeah and three different offensive line coaches you know they, they obviously added a number of players either through the portal or they brought them up through the program or you know through development like donovan mcculley or james bomba or jalen lucas or omar cooper or whomever um and again, like part of what always kind of befuddled me, and I never, I guess I never really found a way to like ask this to Walt Bell that like got a meaningful answer out of him. But part of what never made sense to me was I kept sort of waiting to see something that looked like the air raid. Yeah. And, or at least my understanding of the air raid is, and certainly my understanding of w- the way Walt Bell described the air raid and, and, and the, you know, the offenses that he'd come up with Blake Anderson and Larry Fedora and, you know, the, 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 the people that he kind of studied under and followed through his career. And I just never saw it. Like I never, I never saw anything that looked like that. And again, I mean, you know, maybe it's all just personnel and it seems unlikely to me. Part of the point of the air raid is that you're supposed to be able to do it with maybe slightly less talented personnel. That was the entire point of why it was first sort of seated at Kentucky and Texas tech and Washington state. Well, like you, you said, know, this and, year the offensive line has not been like all American level, but I mean it's been enough to I think. I mean, you you could almost beat Louisville. You held Ohio State close. I mean, those are, are feathers in the cap for an offensive line that didn't play like that last year. So I mean, I don't think you can say it's all personnel because it, it really hasn't been, um, you know, especially the, through the first, you know, four weeks. Uh, you know, 
glaring personnel issues that this team had on offense. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just, I don't know, it, it, it has never, I never understood what Indiana was supposed to be offensively under Walt Bell. Not in the way he described it, he talked to you about it, but in a way that whether Connor Bazelak or Jack Tuttle or Dexter Williams or Taven Jackson or Brendan Soresby was the quarterback, you know, whether Darren Hiller or Rod Carey or Bob Bostad was his offensive line coach, you know, whether his starting running back was a, a, a juke East, you know, East West player, a big bruiser, you know, a, a shifty inside runner, an explosive outside runner. I mean, like, why did we stop seeing Jalen Lucas in the past game? I, and, and listen, if Walt Bell were here, he'd say, well, here's why, and here's why, and here's why. I understand that, but like, it, it just, it just sort of felt like over and over again, you, you went into games just just not really knowing, like, okay, this is what it looks like when Indiana's playing well offensively. Not because they weren't moving the ball and scoring points. Please understand, you know, I, I, I get people can just say, well, duh, you know, they were down 27 to three on Saturday. I understand that. I understand anyone who says that. But, but what I mean is, I could sit there and I could say, they're in the rhythm. They're getting what they want. The, you know, the, the guys that they want to get touches are getting touches and they're getting touches where they want. Well, like that, I mean, like essentially you're describing the second half against Louisville or Indiana state, but Indiana state's, you know, a lower team. So I think you're essentially describing what they did there. They spread the ball around. I mean, Jackson had nine different targets. You got some runs. I mean, uh, you essentially are, that's what I think an offense is supposed to look like. And outside of those, you know, cause obviously the red zone, you know, issues that were there too, but there was about, you know, 24 minute period where they look like a real offense. And they haven't looked like that since spinning this forward. You mentioned the quarterback controversy or potential for one. Um, I think that's a big deal. I, I don't know why they opened that door, especially since it took nine minutes, nine months to shut it. And you're going to flip your decision within three weeks. Do you yeah. think uh, so big 10 media days next week, I'll be there. You'll be in the room. Do you think Tom Allen takes a mulligan and says, we'd have made a mistake there or do you think he says well we got to evaluate everyone which is i mean yeah but you evaluated these guys for nine months like taven deserved a little more i i think uh you know because he could have said after the game like look i didn't want taven to get injured and it was a good opportunity to get brandon source be some saps and then stopped it right there but he did not do that he did the opposite of that no, he, did. We, he, 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 he had the chance and he did not um i think the mulligan he may get you know, if he wants it, is is that he's changed offensive coordinators, and so and throw, he, throw it he to sort of, to throw it to Rod to make the statement. Well, no, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that so much as as you know, sort of say like we're you know we push the reset. I, I so frankly, to- I do think he kind of needs to come out and say someone's my starter, and and just say Maryland was a bad day. I reviewed the film. I realized the change had to be made. Just kind of keep hammering, like it's you know. <laughs> Just sort of try to misdirect around it, basically the way coaches sometimes because, do. Like, because and and I, I was put the, the story I wrote was supposed to go up today. I'm glad didn't because I got to edit it based on the the changes they made. But essentially, you know, I, I wrote about uh, Tom Allen's comments two weeks ago. Might not have even been full two weeks ago, where he's like, "Look, we needed tape. We need to t- name Taven the starter because someone needed to take leadership of this team." And he went on about how, um, you know, he's now going to get a chance to to make it his own, like. It just felt like he just slammed the door on the opportunity for you to sort of rally around one guy and have his vo- like because like what are players supposed to believe now that you've named a quarterback and you gave him two weeks or two and a half weeks essentially to be the guy and then 
on a bad day when nobody played very well, um, you benched him. And I didn't think, you know, I thought there was some good things with him and that they had a guy that they could build around. Not to say that Sorsby's not. I just think that that was, has the potential to be a long-term calamity when that could have been avoided. I think if nothing else, you know, especially with the bye, you need to get there with Rod Carey. And you just, you need to be in a place where you just say, whoever it is. And like you can't go again. Like you can't do this. I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm so, I'm so tired of, of talking about who it should be. <laughs> like I'm done with that. But like, <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. To, it was a you nine need to get month, there early was with a Rod nine Carey month in terms of just saying, have you ever had a competition that lasted that long to go two weeks into the season, essentially after it started in January, equal reps, essentially the whole way through. I mean, the only time, the only sort of comparable thing in Tom Allen's tenure would have been when he inherited Richard Lego, who was a a very much like a a pocket passer, big, tall, strong, not super mobile. Um, And he he basically wanted to pivot to Peyton Ramsey, but Ramsey was a redshirt freshman. And he kind of had to wait for a moment when he could justify pulling Lego for Ramsey. But once he went to Ramsey, even though Ramsey struggled through parts of that season before he got he injured, with him and he stuck with him. And then he went back to Lego when Ramsey basically couldn't, you know, raise a football above his head anymore because he was so beat up. Um, I just think, like, I, I, I do – what I would say is I guess I don't quite know what Tom Allen's going to do because it's hard for me to kind of know where his head is right now. And this isn't a criticism so much as it is I'm just – he has just seemed less decisive until – the decision he made Sunday, all you know, like the, the fake punt in your own territory and the quarterback change and, you know, sort of these, 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 you know, differing assessments that are kind of hard to square up next to each other. You, you know, he needs almost to kind of find his own decisiveness again, or whatever you want to say. Well, um, because and the, the reason I but he's got to get there with, I think he's got to get there with Rod Carey early yeah. And he's just, he, there's got to be an answer that is just, this is our guy. Because whoever it is is a registered freshman. We said all the time, fans need to remember to let him make some mistakes. Maybe a coach needs to remember that too. Oh, yeah. That's this why is I'm our so guy, and he's yeah. going to play. And that's not going to, you know, like we're going to let him play through some mistakes, but we're not going to just, this, this isn't going to be a revolving door. You ride the wave because you didn't play. He wasn't the reason they lost the game, even, and it might not have been the top three. You know, no. so it's like it's it, that's why it was so stunning to me. There's Unless Dexter Williams is ready. Yeah, that's an exception. That's, that, that is that's that is kind of the one curveball in all this that we're not going to get. Like, I don't think I don't think we get any kind of notice on that until Dexter Williams walks out. Is, is yeah, is not on that injury report. But the reason I bring it up is because I've covered some teams where coaches uh, in Auburn and Virginia Tech have literally destroyed the confidence of their quarterback and ruin them for good um, because they've coached them in a way that wasn't conducive and, and kind of played around with them and, and broke their confidence. And, and I, I think Taven's got a good head on his shoulders and I'm not saying this would happen, but I do think these things have, can have a longer impact. Um, you know, cause to me with Taven, you weren't trying to win one game. You were trying to build a stable future. So at the end of the season, even if you finish four and eight or five and seven, you could say, look, I've got the quarterback. I'm going to build around. We like this kid. He's shown glimpses and this is where we're going to now go back and forth and have to finish the year with no quarterback again. And to do this again, especially like I said, I can't, 
nine months and they split reps like basically throughout and they waited two weeks into the season. It's just an astounding sort of kind of coaching failure. And obviously while Bell's gone, so maybe he's just going to throw it all on him. But um, it just is is mind boggling to me that open that door, especially when there was no reason for it to, to even begin. It'll be interesting. Um, I think we'll talk to, I think we'll get to talk to Rod Carey at some point this week. I don't know how many answers he'll have, frankly. Um, and, and it's important to remember that, you know, the same thing he said last year, he can't work miracles. Um, nobody's going to work miracles in, in, in that short of a space of time, but maybe he can find some things that, to put Indiana in some slightly better positions or just kind of give Indiana at least some fundamental building blocks that it just seemed like they couldn't find, they couldn't hang on to, they couldn't build on um, this last basically season and a half. But we'll leave it there for tonight. Um, he's Mike Nyes, like I'm Zach Gosper for the Herald Times for the Indy Star. Thank you so much for listening to Mind Your Banners. We will be back midweek um, probably to talk to Mike about what he sees, hears, and experiences at uh, Basketball Media Day, and maybe we'll have – a little more football thrown in, but until then, take it easy. We'll talk to you soon.